Welcome to NL Full Time or the, the We Ate Eastley podcast, as we got called during midweek. We got a bit beast from the Eastley. Um, yeah, don't be beastly to Eastley. Yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, um, we we don't hate Eastley. We love everyone in equal measure, um, and we just uh, yeah. We, Rob Rob was giving his opinion on Eastley, and, and they're doing very very well, although not quite as well in the trophy. But we'll get onto that later on. I'm Luke Edwards, and joining me. Well, you heard the voice of him there. It is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, Luke. So, yeah, I was uh, jumping the gun a bit there. <laughs> and also joining us, uh, he's on the phone this morning. It is Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Yeah, good morning, Luke. Good morning, Dickie. And just pleased with myself not jumping the gun there because I wanted to. Um, yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's the first time I've seen a little dig that was kind of relating to it being an Aldershot podcast. I mean, I think the reality is I comment out on Aldershot every week, so they're going to get featured when there's a story. Yeah. But I obviously try to feature when there's a good news, a positive story for any team that Aldershot play against. And uh, I'll have this chap, though, that I've interviewed many a striker that smashed the hat-trick past Aldershot. A good grace. So it is what it is. I can't help where I am. As for the Eastley thing, yeah, football divides opinion, doesn't it? And I, I was almost complimenting them in, in a way in that they don't, they're not spectacular. They don't particularly catch the eye, but they're very effective and they get points in the, in the bank. It's even worse for us because all the shots are doing well this year. So, <laughs> so we, we'd never stop yeah, talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> there was a significant, um, result in the National League in midweek. Uh, Chesterfield lost 3-1 at home to Woking, which edges Woking closer to Chesterfield. Uh, Dagenham and Redbridge, they were leading at Oldham as well by two goals to one before losing 4-2. They were the pick in the midweek results. Rob, I know you saw that Woking game against Chesterfield and you were really impressed with them. Yeah, very, very good. It was a real high-tempo start. They hit them hard, hit them early. A nice finish from Borregamond and uh, Daly who, what a player he is. He really impressed me in the two games I saw him this season. Um, lovely burst of pace from him and rounded the keeper and, and slotted home from a, an acute angle. Uh, and yeah, Chesterfield rallied. They pulled the goal back, but um, difficult run for them at the minute. And, you know, whilst on one hand, you know, you've had Chesterfield supporters hoping that they'd be able to hang on to the shirt tails of Wrexham and North County and stay in the title race. You know, they've almost probably didn't have much of an eye on Woking, who are saying our clear goal is to get that third place uh, and one home playoff tie to get to Wembley. And and now they've got to take care of that battle first, haven't they, Chesterfield? Yeah, well, it's four defeats on the spin for them because they lost in a big game on Saturday evening on BT Sport. 2-1 at home to Notts County. Macaulay Langstaff scored yet again on the 25th minute. Armando Dobre equalised in stoppage time in the first half. Jeff King picked up a second yellow card in 63 minutes before. The fullback scored again. It was a battle of the scoring fullbacks. King got sent off. Chickson got on a score sheet. Ultimately, it proved the winner. And there's a lot of befuddlement on the Chesterfield forum, it's fair to say, because he's brought Kovalan back into the starting lineup. Um he, although Fitzsimmons played on Saturday, Kovalan's been playing the last three games, uh, so they wondered why they've struggled to replace Shamanga. They've only just brought in Paul McCallum 
on loan as well. And Chesterfield down to fourth now, definitely probably out of the title race, and they'll just be looking to get a home time to play off. Yeah, like I say, they, they you know they they've got to take care of business to make sure they finish at least third now. Um, and that's that's difficult because it's another season where at certain points of it, Chesterfield looks set for really big things. And I do feel for the Chesterfield fans because they're used to a lot of heartache, aren't they? It's often, it's often they promise so much and don't quite deliver. Yeah, Cook getting a few bits of criticism now, especially in the goalkeeping department. I mean, Coverland had a horrendous moment against Woking, but to be fair, it was for the third goal. They were already 2-0 down. That doesn't make it palatable or acceptable, but it didn't cost them the game. Um, but yeah, the fans seem to, you know, we say that, but it's always the vocal minority, isn't it? But the, a lot of the fans seem to be calling for Fitzsimmons, not uh, Fitzsimons, sorry, not, um, uh, yeah, no, Fitzsimmons, beg your pardon, not uh, Coverland. Um, and it is a really tough run for Chesterfield, and they'll be hoping to end that when they go to the EBB on Tuesday night. Many a teams uh, ended some, some some wretched runs against Aldershot, but we'll come to we'll come to all that in good time. Yeah, I'd seen a suggestion in midweek, and I don't know how much truth there is in this that uh, that Ross Fitzsimmons had, had had actually intimated to Chesterfield that he wanted to join Scunthorpe United. Um, I think Scunthorpe did sign a goalkeeper this week. Um, and you know, maybe that's inexplicable dropping of a player to replace him with someone else could, you know, it could be that, that, that is true, you know, that he's expressed that wish, hasn't got that wish, but obviously Paul Cook doesn't want to put them in the side. Um, if that is the case, Wrexham, they are up there as well. They're hanging on to the coattails of Notts County, the three points behind two games in hand. Of course, they had that epic game with Sheffield United, those epic two games. Really, in the end, there's been a bit of fallout from that. Hello, Billy Sharp, if you are listening in this morning. Wrexham's a number one fan. <laughs> they won 3-1 at home to Wealdstone. Paul Mullin on the score sheet before Alarakia equalised for Wealdstone. I hope I've said that right. I made it sound like a, a you did. holiday resort you did. then, didn't I? Taryn Alarakia, yeah. Alarakia, there we go, yeah. Um Jacob Mendy, he restored the lead, and Sam Dalby got the third goal. And even though they're only play, even though they'll say they're only playing Wheelstone at home, it was important for them not to have that FA Cup hangover, wasn't it? Yeah, first and foremost, it's not only Wheelstone; it's a very, very good Wheelstone side these days under Stuart Maynard. Um, they'll bemoan that they lost uh, Kretschmar to a second yellow in that one. And they did pull themselves level at the race course, you know, on the hour mark, I think, or round about the hour mark. And, uh, you know, at that point, you sort of thought there's every chance they could eke out a point. But I've got to say a huge well done to, to Wrexham and to Notts County for somehow both of them finding a way to win. As you say, Wrexham is tough. as a late, late defeat and heartache at Sheffield United. They got level. Marlin had the opportunity to put them ahead. And then, of course, they went behind and conceded twice late on. So, hard take for them in the FA Cup. But from that point on, it will have been all about can we recover to make sure that we just stay on track in the league and get three points. And they looked at Notts County's result and, and realised that they needed them. And Notts County may have thought, you know what, we've got big rivals here in Chesterfield. But again, we've still got to find 
a way to win. And this battle for a few weeks now um, has reminded me of Manchester City and Liverpool at the top of the Premiership. It's relentless. It's almost like you can't even afford to draw. Um, mm. and, and both of them, you know, are, are really flying and they're hell-bent on chasing that one automatic promotion place. Talking of draws, that's what happened between Woking and Boreham Wood. Josh Rees had Boreham Wood 2-0 up after 57 minutes. But then another player getting a double, Rees Brown, he got a goal on the hour mark and on the 78th minute to rescue a point for Woking. Um, good point for Woking that. Rob, I suppose, playing Chesterfield and Boreham Wood, you'd have taken four points. And more importantly, yeah, the fact that they were 2-0 down and Darren Sarl in his post-match said, we never really got up our basics, you know, right today. We weren't good, but he was obviously proud of them finding a way to to come back and, and get a point in, in the Reese Derby. Reese Batiste, wasn't it, yesterday? Yeah. Like, literally, all, all four goals. Apparently, Josh Reese's first goal is an absolute stonker. Um, haven't seen it yet myself. And then, obviously, Reese Brown, he's been absolute class. It was... Interesting looking on at that one with all four goals scored by ex-Hordishop players. Um, but yeah, uh, a decent point in the end for Woking. And, and do you know what? Not a bad point, despite the circumstances of being 2-0 up, but not a bad point for Boreham Wood. So on the back of, what is it, three or four consecutive goal uh, wins without conceding, uh, they go away to um, a high-flying informed Woking and they come away from there with a point and Again, I've not seen Luke Garrard's post-match and he might well have been a little bit low and, 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 and downbeat after being 2-0 up. But on reflection, I'm sure they'll agree a point away at Woken is nothing to be sniffed at. Get your thinking cap on, Dickie, with Reese there or Reese, Reese does it, something like that. We'll have to uh, have a think of that. Yeah, there's got to be something in that, hasn't there? A team who are in horrendous form, two wins in 10. A solid hole more they got a much-needed win away at York City. They had to come from behind to beat York City on Tuesday evening. That saw the end of David David Webb at York City. Um, but Solihull couldn't follow that up down at Dagenham and Redbridge. They lost by two goals to one. And it was a player you know well, Rob, Ine Effiong, who was sold to Dagenham during midweek. He got both goals in that one. Yeah. Uh, what an amazing season the big man's having. Um, obviously, it's been a it's been really tough at the Aldershot end of it this week. Nobody likes to lose their top striker. The first striker that was heading towards 20 goals in a season since Brett Williams back in the day, whenever that was, 2011, 2012, something like that. Um, but for Inie F. Young at the age of 32, when his local club Dagenham came calling with a couple of young children and a wife that works in London, I think his head was turned and, and, and he held out for the move and he took it. And fair play to him for applying himself straight away in the same way um, and getting the job done. He did make the trip up to um, uh, Oldham in the week and he wasn't originally named on the bench for Dagenham, but he was eventually and uh, and he came on into that one but wasn't able to, to change Dagenham's fortunes. But... Um, we could have, from what I'm hearing, a goal of the season competition just yesterday in the National League because I, I can't wait to see Josh Reese's goal, the first one. And I'm hearing if he in the FBI on some, uh, one of his goals for Dagenham yesterday was an absolute belter too. Mick Payne, the England C coach who co-commentated on the games, 
confirmed that. Um, it's going to be very, very, very tough for Aldershot without him. His presence was really missed on uh, Saturday. But for any goals 18 and 19 for a prolific season, and you can only applaud the man. Another part of that move, Luke, it sort of followed a few days later, didn't it? A couple of days later, but interesting to see Paul McCallum go out, go the other way on loan to Chesterfield for the rest of the season. And it would appear, really, for a striker of such quality that um, perhaps discussions, relations, whatever, have broken down at Dagenham. Because if you are gunning for the playoffs like they are, desperate to make them this year after finishing eighth twice, you know, well-backed and real, a real pressure, a real need to make the playoffs, you don't let a player like Paul McCallum go out on loan for the rest of the season, particularly to a, what could well be a playoff rival, unless really that, that relationship is done. Interestingly, I saw a comment um, Rob about in the F wrong, it was called uh, Outie gone, which made me amuse, which amused me. But um, there's been a lot oh, of criticism. Amazing. You, yeah. <laughs> there's been a lot of criticism Sorry, towards on. the Aldershot chairman, Rob. And I know you said in our WhatsApp group that it's kind of, at the end of the day, with his age, it's probably his last big move. And you've got a bit of money for him, as, as, as frustrating as it is to see him go. Yeah, no, in this instance, yeah, he's had some black and some pelters at times, the Aldershot chairman, Shahid Azim. In this instance, there's no finger to point really at him when you understand what happened. He and the board basically said, look, keep in here if you can. You know, the hottest property we've had for a little while. He's in the form of his life. Uh, and Aldershot tried very hard to keep him, but they couldn't. And that was explained very clearly in an interview with uh, Terry Brown, the director of football. Innie decided he wanted to take that move. And when a player decides, you know, even though he was contracted until the end of next season, nobody wants an unhappy player in the camp. And uh, Ross McNeely certainly didn't. Uh, and it wasn't that Innie Effion was unhappy at Aldershot. It's just that he saw the potential for something that suited him better and he's taken it and I and I and I don't present that. Um in any other walk of life we all accept it. We'd all say if our brother, sister, mother, auntie, mate down the road got an opportunity for better terms of employment somewhere else at a place that suited him, we'd say brilliant, well done, go for it, fill your boots. So uh personally, in the outy is okay with me. Uh, and uh, Effie Offie to Dagenham. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll move on to the FA Trophy now, and uh, the Aldershot dream is still alive, isn't it, Rob? Into the quarterfinals. It is a dream. Um, it's been a dream many times. Aldershot have made the FA Trophy semi-final twice. They've now made the quarterfinal twice. Somewhere along the line, it all tends to go wrong for the shots who dream old club and new of making it to Wembley. One of very few clubs, you know, in the top five divisions, um, particularly, you know, when you group together all the ex-league clubs, one of very, very few clubs that haven't ever been to Wembley. Well, we've been to Wembley, but we played Wembley FC. It wasn't at Wembley. And the one time we made the playoff final, it was when Wembley was being rebuilt. Um, and we played that final against Shrewsbury at Stoke. But yeah, we got there. And in truth, you know, it wasn't spectacular. It was functional. It was efficient. I think Steve Gibbs summed it up superbly in the non-league paper. A turgid first half in which we almost went 45 minutes without an effort on goal from either side, which was cancelling each other out. 
And then uh, Josh McCoy's downward header from Amaluza's uh, cross was brilliantly kept out by Dan Lincoln. He managed to scoop it back off the line, almost Gordon Banks style. Um, and then there was a bit of a half-attempted clearance, which didn't get any purchase on it. And Tyler Corden was there um, to smash it home from six yards and celebrate his new contract extension with the only goal of the game. Um, the second half was better. Dorking gave it a real go in the last 10 minutes. They threw the kitchen sink in and they were very unlucky not to find a leveller that would, of course, taken it straight to penalties. And here's a stat for you, boys. You might not have noticed eight ties in the FA Trophy yesterday and only one side playing at home won. Uh, and that was Aldershot who hung on uh, in those final 10 minutes against Mark White's Dorking. Quick word for White and Dorking. Um, they are going to come good again. They are going to pull themselves out of trouble. I really do think so. Um, they've got players coming in, players coming back. And there were real green shoots yesterday. Um, they looked so much more solid over the first 80 minutes. Uh, and then when they really, you know, they really went for it in the final 10, they looked excellent. They created three or four chances, you know. So I think they'll be okay, Dorkin. I hope they'll be okay. I feel wretched in one sense because... You know, I do talk to Martin White a lot. I love the guy. I think he's a breath of fresh air for football. And it's been tough going up and shaking his hand three times after all the shot of beats talking this season. Uh, but he'll come again. He's born to. There's high odds that there'll be a, a National League side lifting a trophy this season. And there'll also be high odds, Rob, that you'll probably be playing a team in the north uh, and you might have to well travel to a team up in the north because out of the southern teams, there's only all the shots and Maidstone and Barnet, who are through. Uh, there's only one team outside of the National League who made it through as well. We'll come on to that in a minute. But Joe's tip, Gate said they won 1-0 away at Banbury, and it was a, a goal there from Will Harris in the 12th minute. My tips, Altrincham, they won 3-1 away at Bracknell, the lowest team that were left in it at the time. Terry Sinclair, Jordan Hume, and Junior Quiterna on the score sheet there. Um, so good wins for those two sides there still in it Halifax they scraped through on penalties against Maidenhead it finished 0-0 there and to be fair there was only one penalty missed and that was the uh, penultimate one by Sean McCluskey uh, Jordan Slew stepped up to uh, score the winning penalty there uh, York City lots of t- well is it it was a battle of the clubs in turmoil, Dickie, wasn't it? Southend against York. David Webb left in midweek. There's still a lot of rumblings at Southend. The St. John Ambulance are refusing to go because they've not had a, a bill paid there. And um, there was more misery down by the seaside, but this time for the home side. I think both of these sides would have been, um, you know, certainly eyeing the possibility of, of going further in this competition, maybe going all the way, you know, to the final. Um Michael Morton has taken charge at York City. Uh, he was brought in as David Webb's assistant. He's actually the the man who has more coaching experience, whereas that didn't seem to be David Webb's background. So um, what York fans make of that, I'm not entirely sure, but he got off to a good start with them yesterday, uh, getting a 2-0 win. Uh, goals from Fraser Kerr and Lanell John-Lewis in the second half, yeah, putting them through. And um, yeah, just... I wouldn't say misery for Southend because, you know, they they were probably our bigger fish to fry for them than, you know, progressing in the FA Trophy. But 
it's been the results on the field that have been sustaining South End fans through this difficult period they're going through as regards the ownership. And um, yeah, just a little bit of a blow for them yesterday. Yeah, I was just going to say as well, in terms of the FA Trophy, Rob mentioned the fact there was only one home win um, in, in the eight ties yesterday. And it, I just wonder if that's as a consequence of not having replays in the FA Trophy anymore. Um, in that, uh, I, I think that's the case, isn't it, this season, that there aren't replays I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Just away sides, probably. You know, they've got one shot at it, and they probably have to just go for it. So whether that's, you know, we might have seen instances in the past of teams coming and um, parking the bus a little bit and holding on for a replay on Tuesday night. You don't get that anymore. So you, you know, you get your one shot at it, and you've got to take it. And it looks like the away side certainly did that yesterday. I understand that theory, Dickie, but you could also flip it, and couldn't you? And you could say that the side at home has got to take the make the most of the home advantage, you know. But um, but you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, but I just wanted to start, if I could mention, for Maidstone because they're having a wretched season down the bottom of the National League. They look almost dead and buried there. Uh, but they've gone to Eastleigh, who we know are in very very efficient form in the league, uh, and they're not just one, but they bromped it four nil. Now, chaps, I haven't had a chance to look at the Eastley lineup for yesterday. That's the obvious thing that the brain does, isn't it? Is that how could Eastley have lost four 0 to Maidstone? But let's just give full credit to Maidstone, who um, kind of they've got two two missions left this season: stay up if they possibly can, and go as far as they can in the FA Trophy. Uh, a brilliant result. The result of the day, surely, in the FA Trophy for Maidstone yesterday. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, it was a. Good win for Barnett to end Joe's dream of going to Wembley with Trent, with Torquay. Two goals from Harry Smith there saw Dean Brennan side through. And then the battle of the teams in the relegation zone in the south and the north. And Farsley had already created history by reaching this stage of the competition. And I saw Russ Wilcox's interview after and he said, we want to keep going on and make and, and keep making history, and that's what they did, Dickie. A 3-2 win away at Hungerford into the quarterfinals for the first time ever. Yeah, and congratulations to Farsley. They are the, the only Northern team, or the, the only National League North team left in the competition. Um, I don't think anybody would have put money on that, but based on where they are in the league. But I saw them on Tuesday night at Telford. They got a 1-1 draw. Um, they bossed the second half, to be perfectly honest, and probably looked like the side that were deserved to win it. Um I was kind of hoping that they might have the FA Trophy on their minds in that game, but clearly they didn't. And, you know, they've lost Jimmy Spencer as well, uh, who's been such a talisman for them. But they they look as if they've shrugged off that loss. Um, Andy Butler, with one of their goals yesterday, he scored in midweek. Bobby Johnson with a penalty. Um, And then Harry Jessup adding the third. Uh, There were goals uh, for Jake Evans uh, and David Bramang for uh, Hungerford. But yeah, it's Farsley that progress. And and again, given the the position that they're in in the league, I would think that, you know, the prize money that's coming in for the um, FA Trophy is probably very welcome for the club's coffers too. So we're going to move on and look at the National League South because Rob's going to help us look at that. And I know he's got a shoot off shortly. So in the National League South, it's Ebsleet who are top eight points clear, game in hand. They won 3-1 away at Bath and uh, Rakish Bingham on the score sheet once again. Uh, Two goals as well for Dominic Polion. That game was over by half time. Haven't their slim hopes uh, were kept alive with a 3-0 win at home to Chelmsford. It was former Chelmsford man Charlie Ruff 
He put them ahead. Mo Fowl scored a second. And then Sam Matthews added a third in stoppage time. All the goals in the second half there. And then Dartford, they are still in second. They won 2-0 at home against Chippenham. Uh, a goal in either half. Jack Smith opening the scoring in the second minute. And then it was Luke Allen with a second goal in the 54th. So the top three all winning, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. Which basically only strengthens depth fleet's position, doesn't it? Another game nearer the end of the season. Obviously a long way to go yet. You know, teams have still got 16, 17 games to go. But Ebsfleet are certainly in pole position. That's uh, for sure. And almost every week, one if not both of uh, Poli and, and Bingham on the score sheet. What a prolific pair those two are. Um, uh, Rakesh Bingham really impressed me in the National League South playoff final last year for Ebsfleet against uh, Dorking. Um, and I think they've, they've got two strikers there who who probably more than capable of holding their own one league above. i tell you what, the game of the day was down at Worthing. It finished Worthing 4, St Albans 5. And I got excited because it was nearly nine different scorers until I realised Ollie Pierce scored twice for Woke, for Worthing. But it was 3-3 at half-time and it was 5-4 with 20 minutes to go. And you thought there could be more... Uh, you thought there could be more goals in this, but sadly there wasn't. They tightened it up after uh, in the last 20 minutes. But a much-needed win for St Albans against a former playoff rival. But I'm guessing, as a manager, they'll have both been tearing their hair out, won't they? For a neutral, it's great. Oh, absolutely. And and the real the real, the real real disappointment there is Oxford City winning their game in fourth place as well. 3-0 against Welling United. And I'm only teasing Oxford City fans. It's because if they hadn't have done that, if Oxford City had lost yesterday, then the team in fourth place would have lost 4-5 to the team in fifth place. Oh. <laughs> it's like 4-5, five, five, yeah, five, 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 all that. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I think technically it's fifth place team four, uh, sixth place team five. <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. So, yeah, we're within a fifth, say so Auburn sixth in seventh, a brain tree. They won the Essex Derby. 1-0 against Concord. Uh, it was a goal in the 64th minute from Aaron Blair. And what a season Braintree having again, Rob? Yeah, they're doing really well. Um, often a team that's written off. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they'll feel they're, they're nicely in the race. I mean, there's a long way from done, aren't they? The race for the playoffs in the National League South. Um, they're a lot less done than, 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 than potentially... Well, a lot more teams involved in that race than there are in the title race now, that's for sure. Um, and I tell you what, a team that is creeping towards that playoff picture, what have we been saying for four, five, six, seven, eight weeks now? Farber have picked up some nice form, but they're still a long way off the playoff. Yeah. Do you know what, what? They are now, after another outstanding home win yesterday, they're now six points off the playoffs. And look, because of their FA Cup run, how many games Farber have played? 26. They've got five games or four games in hand over the clubs above them. Uh, and you know what? Just quietly, under the radar a little bit, Farber will be fancying themselves uh, to do what I think I was the only one that considered in the pre-season predictions that they might just flirt for the playoffs. Yeah, Mason Bloomfield on the score sheet again there, as, as was Chike Kande. And... Uh... Tunbridge, Tombridge also going well. They won two and away at Dulwich Hamlet there. Good win 
for Jay Saunders' side. Eastbourne Borough, they slipped up after taking the lead at Dover. They lost by two goals to one. Another good win for Scotty Davis. He's taken to management life. Now they won 1-0 away at Slough. Somebody you know well, Rob, Franny and Marty, with the winner there. Yeah, Hampton, Hampton and Richmond, yeah. Um, yeah, pleased to see Amate on the score sheet. You've got another clamour again from the Aldershot fans saying, get Amate back now, we've lost Epi on. Different types of players, obviously, but um, we may see Amate back before the end of the season. I don't I don't think so, though, if Scotty Davis has got anything to do with it. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a terrific win. I know Hampton and Richmond, Borough are, are really, really struggling for, for form, aren't they? And they're only outside the relegation positions uh, on goal difference now. But, uh, yeah, great three points for, for Scotty Davis and Slough, who were right on the edge of trouble when he uh, when he took over. And at the moment, they're seven points clear of, of that. Long way to go, though. They're not safe yet. And a, a big win for Hemel Hempstead. They left it late to beat Weymouth. Ten minutes from time, they were trailing by a goal to nil. But George Williams with a double, his second one coming in the 89th minute, made sure that Brad Quinton's good start at Hemel Hempstead continued. And they're up to 12th. They're seven points off the playoffs. Rob, thanks for joining us. Yeah, pleasure as always. And, and just a just very quick addition, massive kudos to Tunbridge Angels, the little club that it is, going to Dulwich Hamlet um, in front of nearly 3,000 and getting that 2-1 win. Well done to Tom Richard. Yeah, enjoy the North preview. Catch you guys soon. So we're going to look at the National League North and it was top versus bottom and it was a 3-0 win for filed away at Telford. Was it as comfortable as the scoreline suggests? Um, not entirely, no. I think Telford gave um, everything, gave gave all that they had, I think. But yeah, ultimately it was just Foyle's superior quality and I think maybe fitness concentration came into it a little bit. Um, Telford held out till the 75th minute and actually had some chances before that where they could have taken the lead. But uh, yeah, Luke Charman scored two goals four minutes apart in the 75th and 79th minute. That pretty much ended it as a contest. And then the, the third goal in injury time. Um, I won't say put the gloss on it because I don't think Danny Whitehead, he certainly didn't intend it, took a corner. Telford goalkeeper Joe Young claimed the ball, but then I think either because of pressure of players around him in the penalty area, looked like he might have stepped backwards over his line. Um, and the assistant referee gave the goal. I think uh, Fylde looked slightly embarrassed by it, didn't really kind of know how to celebrate, but um, it was all over by that point. Um, and it, yeah, I suppose looking from the outside, it was an entirely expected result. Um, but I think Telford can feel that, that they at least worked, filed hard for it. Would you say you've seen the champions, Dickie? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I'm going to see Kingsland Town on Tuesday evening because that's where Telford are next. And I think the champions will come from one of those two teams. If you look at the table, um, I think the gap, particularly given games in hand, Darlington aren't that far away points-wise, but have played 30 games. And I think for Foyle and Kingsland, it's something like 27 and 28. So that gap could widen a little bit. Um, so I'll probably have a better idea when I've seen Kingsland on Tuesday. Um, Kingsley don't go into that game in particularly brilliant form. They're winless in their last three in the league and they lost at home to Chester yesterday. Uh, Reese Hughes scoring a 78th minute goal for Chester, which sent them away jubilant. We've seen some uh, video of Callum McIntyre celebrating on the field 
um, with the Chester followers, and he looks absolutely ecstatic. Um, Kingsley, I think, might have been missing a couple of players. They did have two sent off at Buxton last week, so they've got some suspensions. Um, and they were held in midweek as well. They they held the lead twice at Spennymoor. Josh Barrett and Adam Crowther had them in the lead, but Paul Blackett and Reese Kendall got Spennymoor a point in that one. So... Um, Maybe just a little bit of a, a, a flat line in form here for, for Kings Lynn, um, but I certainly don't think it's all over yet. Darlington, they lost 3 2 away, 3 uh, 1 away at Boston. And we're talking to Christian last week who's worried about Boston, but that was a much needed win for them and, and a blow for Darlington. Yeah, it was. This is a real turn up for the form book. This one, Darlington had actually won their last seven away matches uh, in the league. Um, but yeah, making that eight proved a step too far for them. Boston haven't been great at home um, all season. They defensively, they've looked very vulnerable on their own patch, but they had a three nil lead by the 52nd minute yesterday. Zach Goodson put them into the lead in the first half with a penalty. And then Luke Shields and Jordan Burrow added a couple of quick goals early in the second half um, to take the game away from Darlington. Ben Little did get a goal back for them. But uh, yeah, the state of the table is that Darlington stay third. So they're still um, in one of those coveted playoff places and particularly um, being either second or third because of the home advantage that gives you. Um, But it just gives the teams behind them just that little bit of encouragement, particularly that Darlington have played a few games more. Yeah, two other teams in the playoff places met Brackley and Charlie, uh, and that was a 1-1 draw there. Yeah, then neither of these two teams um, concede an awful lot of goals, so I don't suppose we should be surprised that maybe this was a draw. Um, I think my, my, my if somebody had said to me, pick me a nil-nil for the day, this is the one I might have gone for. But yeah, it ended 1-1. Uh, Levi Amanchi had put Brackley into the lead, but Connor Hall equalised in the second half. Brackley staying fourth, Chorley staying seventh. So both in the playoff positions, but I wouldn't say it was comfortable as we'll we'll come to when we get a little bit further down the table. Yeah, well, the nil-nils that were on, on in the National League North for Hereford against Alfredton, which again, probably isn't a surprise, and Kettering against Buxton, which maybe was a surprise because both sides do like to score a lot of goals, but... As we announced at the end of last week's pod, Josh Gowling left Hereford and uh, we've got no news on his replacement yet, have we? No, I've not heard anything as yet. I mean, it's. Um, I think all the talk last week was about it being by mutual agreement. It doesn't seem, you know, if Hereford had got somebody lined up, you'd imagine they would have been in position by now. Um, so it kind of feels as though you know, I don't think Hereford in any danger of going down, but likewise, I don't think they're in any danger of going up. And that and that's probably what's cost Josh Gowling ultimately in that um, I think Hereford do see themselves as one of the bigger clubs, certainly with the fan base that they've got um, and have maybe slightly bigger aspirations. And it just looked like it's another season where they're, you know, they're going to see the season out safely in National League North, but they're going to be there again next season. and And you know, Hereford's progress has stalled a little bit since reforming. Um, clubs do always tend to hit a bit of a ceiling. Um, I think there might have been some frustration on Josh Gowling's side of things as well, that, you know, being a fan-owned club, that they can't necessarily generate the type of finance he might have needed to have a real go at it. And, and Hereford are out on a bit of a limb as well. There's a lot of travelling involved. If you are a, a, a Hereford player, when you when you think of where a lot of the away games are. So, um, 
you know, there's some logistical problems there. There's some, uh, when I say financial problems, I'm not suggesting Hereford are in financial trouble. Um, I don't mean that a at all, ship. but it's a tight ship. Yes, it did. I think fan run club, fan owned clubs very much run on a, a hand to mouth basis. There isn't a lot of spare cash. Um, and you have to have that little bit of luck if you're going to find, you know, some players who are going to really propel you up that, that, that table. And, and it's just luck that Josh Gowling hasn't had. Teams just outside the playoffs, Dickie. I mean, good win for Kinnemis, Their away form's really, really good, isn't it? And then a cracking game at the same side stadium between Curzon and Gloucester. Yeah, it was. Uh, Scarborough were uh, inactive on the day. I think they were due to play one of the teams that was involved in the FA Trophy, so they didn't play. Um, I will also mention Scarborough had a bit of a blow. Dom Tia is out for the rest of the season with injury. But yeah, the, the, when it comes to the sides chasing um, those in the playoff positions, Kidderminster Harriers are making the strongest bid at the moment. Um, they had a really lengthy road trip to Spennymore Town yesterday, but they got the job done by the 38th minute of the game. Amari Morgan-Smith put them into the lead. Paul Blackett equalised, but Reese McNally got the winner. And they're just a point behind Chorley now in eighth place. Uh, Spennymore in 12th. They lost Glenn Taylor to injury as well, which um, wouldn't ever be helpful. He's such an important figure for them. Um, but yeah, Kidderminster... Uh, I think might be eyeing themselves as as that team that makes a late run and gets into the playoffs. And as we saw with Boston United last season, when you're having to scrap for everything, you almost kind of arrive in playoff mode. Um, when the teams that have been sat in the playoff places, you've been there perhaps a little bit more comfortably, um, haven't necessarily been fighting for everything and, and it can work to your advantage. So yeah, we'll see how Kidderminster Harry is going. Um, you mentioned the game between Curzon and Gloucester. This was probably the game of the day, entertainment-wise. Curzon Ashton four, Gloucester City three. Um, you mentioned Jimmy Spencer. He's left Farsley to join his old manager Adam Lakeland at Curzon Ashton. He scored in midweek for them. He gave Curzon the lead yesterday as well in the eighth minute. But um, by the twenty-eighth minute, uh, Gloucester City had a two-one lead. Curzon then took the game away from the second half. Hayden K. Campbell levelled two goals from Tom Pierce, took it to 4-2. Don McHale, who's the Gloucester City captain now, he pulled a goal back in the 88th minute. But yeah, uh, Curzon Ashton saw that one out. Also down at the bottom, the other two games, or the final two games we're going to look at. Uh, Bly, they're still scrapping away, aren't they? It was a 1-1 draw at home to Peterborough Sports. And then Bradford Park Avenue... They beat Leamington. Leamington had two red cards in that game. And uh, you were saying about Leamington, this is the worst run of form that I think Paul Holleran's ever had as Leamington manager. And an interesting stat on when they last won. Yeah, and Leamington's slow tickle, uh, you know, slide towards the bottom four has actually been going on for a long time. The last time they won in the league was before the clocks went back on the 22nd of October when they beat AFC Foyle. I mean, that's a, a measure of the kind of side that Leamington can be and, you know, they they upset a side that, that look like they're, or they're certainly one of the, the two challenges for automatic promotion, but it's not been so um, sunny for Leamington since then. Um Bradford Park Avenue were on easy street in this game yesterday. Will Longbottom and Brad Doherty had them 2-0 up by half-time. You said about the red cards, Jack Edwards, and I'm never sure about this. I'm never sure whether uh, the individuals pronounce their names as Louis or Lewis, but I'm going to go with Louis Hall. He They've both given straight red cards within 15 minutes of one another. 
Harrison Hopper added a third for Bradford and Devon Kelly, Kelly Evans did get a goal back um, with nine men for Leamington to give their fans who travelled a, a brief moment of um, uh, something to enjoy. But yeah, Leamington into the relegation zone. They're winless in 15. And I don't know whether it is the worst run that Paul Holleran's had as Leamington manager, but it almost feels like it must be um, because it, it's a very un-Leamington light run. I'll just touch on the last game as well. Obviously, you mentioned Blythe Spartans against Peterborough Sports. Um, Blythe, uh, yeah, they've not had a brilliant week. They were leading it in midweek against Chorley. Cedric Main gave them the lead, but Willem Tomlinson and Jack Sampson replied. Uh, Mike Calverley got sent off in that game as well for Chorley, but it, it wasn't enough for Blythe, and they lost that 1-2-1 having had the lead. Same again yesterday. They had the lead. Main again in the third minute. He's been a, a good find for them. He gave them the lead. But then Michael Spellman got a red card for Blythe in the 55th minute. That probably turned the tide against them. And yeah, the Turbines got a point through Josh McCammon's 80th minute equaliser. So um, neither of those results doing a, a great deal for, for Blythe's bid to get out the bottom four and Peter Bridges sitting comfortably in mid-table. Brill, well, uh, that is it. Thanks for joining us, Dickie. You're more than welcome, Luke. Always good to see you. And uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at NL Full Time. We're on Instagram as well. And subscribe, and then you'll get the podcast uploaded to your device as soon as it comes out. So thank you all for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you all very soon. <laughs>